Chapter Twelve of the Boy Scouts Through the Big Timber. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Boy Scouts Through the Big Timber by Herbert Carter. Chapter Twelve: The Swoop of the Storm. Well, she's coming right along, all right. Stephen volunteered the statement when the when the first rumble of thunder was borne to their ears from the direction whence the storm was advancing. Hear that? Added Giraffe. I say, Thad, don't you think we'd better let up on this trail business and hunt for a place where we might sit it out the storm? I just come to that conclusion myself," replied the other. And it seems to me we hadn't ought to lose any too much valuable time in going that remarked Stephen, starting a little when there came a flash of lightning and a later on another deep growl of thunder. Still three miles away, I count between the flash and the thunder, announced Giraffe. Huh, three miles ain't a song when the old wind gets a blowin', declared Stephen. Notice that it's died out altogether now, fellers, and getting pretty dark, too, Giraffe added. Looks to me like we might be in for a little cyclone. Wonder if they ever have em up here, like they do in Kansas. Cyclone, exclaimed Stephen. Oh, my stars, and here we are without even a cyclone cellar. We'll try and find one, said Thad, encouragingly, for he had been keeping his eye around him a long time back, noting the formation of the ground and the drawing of his own conclusions. They were no longer walking steadily on. That it increased his pace to a run, and his comrades kept it aside as though determined not to be left in the lurch. The sounds from the rear had gradually increased in volume. The thunder was louder and more ominous, and each dazzling flash of lightning made the timber around them stand out more distinctly, although after it had passed, the semi-gloom seemed more appalling than ever. And that other threatening sound, could it be the wind playing havoc with the trees? Thad had from time to time noticed that they came up a window of fallen timber, all the trees lying in one direction. This circumstance had told them that once in a great while the region of the foot of the Rockies was visited by a destructive storm. Might not this one prove to be such and throw down more of these giants of the woods? Thad had to bear this in mind, and along with many other things, surely. If the storm proved to be so severe that the trees were going to be uprooted and blown down, they wanted to be out of danger. Stephen was getting more and more excited. He always felt this way, even at home, when the air was charged with electricity. Many a time he could remember walking up and down a room like a tiger in a cage, while the elements were holding high carnival without and while he believed that the scoutmaster would do all that lay in his power to get himself and his comrades into some sort of shelter before the threatening storm broke over their heads, Stephen saw no reason why he should not assist as far as he could. So he kept those sharp eyes of his on the constant watch as he ran along the side of the pacemaker. Suddenly, Stephen gave a triumphant shout. Oh, oh, look, look, here's a good place for us to crawl in, and he pointed to one side as he spoke. There, as another bright flash lighted up the gloomy forest, Thad saw an enormous tree, easily the king of them all, 
Doubtless it outtopped all his comrades, rearing its lofty head far above the best of them. And yet old age had started in to demolish the monarch of the woods, beginning at the butt instead of the top. The giant tree was hollow. There yawned an aperture, surely large enough to hold the four scouts easily, if they chose to huddle there. And the hole is pretty well away from the track of the storm. So the rain ain't gonna beat in on us, Stephen went on. Do we crawl in, Thad? asked Giraffe, showing by his manner that he was only too willing to comply if the scoutmaster said the word. But Thad and Allen exchanged a look, and each shook his head. No tree for mine in a storm like this. Come on, boys, called out the leader, once more starting on a run. Stephen hesitated. It even seemed as though the spirit of finding safety was tempting him to hold back. If he thought Giraffe would back him up, Stephen might possibly have declined to leave the big hollow tree that looked so inviting. But Giraffe, either more submissive to authority just then or else, not quite so frightened by the crash of the approaching storm, was already hurrying after the leader. So Stephen went on, although grumbling. Why couldn't we use that nice old hiding place, Thad, he called out. For the thunder, together with the roar of the wind and the rain in their rear, made so much racket that talking in ordinary tones was impossible. That tree might go down with a crash and a gale, was what Thad said over his shoulder as he ran. Well, perhaps that's so, admitted Stephen. And worse than that, it was liable to be struck by lightning, added the young scoutmaster. Nearly always picks out the tallest tree, or one standing alone. You never want to get under a tree in a thunderstorm. Remember that, Stephen. Better lie down flat on the ground and take your soaking. Even though the advice was shouted at him under such peculiar conditions, Stephen was apt to remember it. Indeed, those very conditions served to impress it indelibly on his mind. He would never again hear the crash of thunder and see the vivid flash of lightning without remembering what Thad had said. What does a little wedding amount to besides the peril of sudden death? Every day during the summer there can be found brief accounts of men or boys killed by lightning because they took refuge under a tree when a storm interrupted their work in the harvest field. During an ordinary shower, a tree might be an acceptable shelter, but never when the air is supercharged with electricity, since it serves as a conductor to draw lightning. But what are we going to do? It was Giraffe who broke out with this appeal. Shortly after, they left the neighborhood of the hollow tree that had so tempted Stephen. Up to this point, the tall scout had been blindly following Thad's lead. The quality of obedience was plainly well developed in Giraffe, but now his curiosity seemed to get the better of these other traits in his character. Although he did not come from Missouri, and in fact, still Giraffe wanted to know, nor did Thad seem to take it amiss in a comrade asking such a natural question under the circumstances. He was always willing to volunteer information. Get an idea we ought to find some ledges on the other side of this little rocky knob hill on the left, he called out. Oh, said Stephen. That was exact of his remarks, and for several reasons in the first place, he had considerable confidence in Thad's judgment, for he had seen it successfully tried under many conditions, and what the other suggested appealed to Stephen as reasonable. Then again, 
He was short of breath and needed all he possessed in order to keep running along with the others. Stephen and Giraffe kept pretty well up in the van. Now and then, when a particularly fearful flash came, they would turn part way around as though the fascination of that oncoming tempest was too much for them. And sometimes either one would give utterance to an excited whoop when the timber was lighted up by an unusually dazzling flash, though the cry was seemed to be immediately deadened by the reverberating thunder. They also noticed with some degree of satisfaction that they were even then rounding the low rocky elevation. Unless Thad had made a sad mistake in his judgment, they should know the facts before another minute passed. But so rapidly was the storm coming along now that apparently they would have none too generous an allowance of time with the rush of the wind and other sound beginning to be heard that was quite disconcerting. This was a frequent crash, such as even Giraffe and Stephen knew must accompany the fall of trees. They were glad on this account, if for no other, that Thad had led them by degrees out of the big timber, so they now skirted the base of the singular little rocky formation that was almost devoid of trees. The thought of being in the constant danger of having one of those giants topple over on their heads was far from pleasant. Between the flashes that had become oppressively dark, so much so that the boys had to be more careful when they set their feet, but with all that turmoil of shrieking winds, crashing of falling trees, and roar of thunder, chasing along in the rear, and rapidly overtaking him, it was little wonder that at times they made mistakes in where they stepped, and presently what Thad had been fearing came to pass, when Stephen shouted out at the top of his voice, Hold up, Thad! Graf's taken a tumble, and I reckon he's some hurt. End of chapter 12 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan